In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus had just finished speaking when a Pharisee invited him to dine at his house. He went in and sat down at a table. The Pharisee saw this and was surprised that he had not first washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, you clean the outside of cup and plate, while inside yourselves you are filled with extortion and wickedness. Fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside too? Instead, give alms from what you have, and then, indeed, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Law Different cultures seem to observe different notions of personal hygiene. Bathing only once a year may seem abhorrently disgusting and ludicrous to many Asians, and cultures from temperate and cold climates may think of our Asian regime of having several baths in a day excessive, bordering on the absurd and the obsessive. But cleanliness in Jewish culture is not just a matter of hygiene, but expresses one's piety. Their practices truly epitomize the expression, cleanliness is next to godliness. In fact, they would even claim that cleanliness is equal to godliness. The ritual purity system of the Jews was a cornerstone of their faith and prerequisite for holiness. Ritual cleanliness, or a lack of it, betrayed one's attitude with regards to the Torah and by extension to God. People who had a lackadaisical attitude to ritual purity would be regarded as not taking their religious beliefs seriously. And this must have been the judgment of the Pharisee who hosted our Lord for a meal when he witnessed our Lord not performing the ceremonial ablutions before consuming his meal. The common but erroneous depiction of our Lord was that he was a ritualistic iconoclast, that he did not care about these things, breaking rules, shattering norms, and rewriting laws and customs that had been in place for centuries. Because of what we have often read and heard, we typically think of the Master as taking on long-standing institutions just such as the Sabbath observance and ritual purity. We picture him as regularly setting aside the law of Moses and established Jewish tradition in favor of a new way of life that focuses on more nebulous, broader philosophical concepts like love and mercy. A more discerning look, however, causes us to rethink many of these ingrained catechetches of the Saviour. For example, we know that he comes from a very Torah-observant family. His mother and earthly father provided for him stalwart examples of lives sub submitted to radical obedience, presenting him at the temple and redeeming him as a firstborn son as prescribed by the law. Our Lord followed his family on the annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem, and in the Gospel of St. John, we see him observing the three annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem. In truth, our Lord was not breaking with tradition, avoiding the law of Moses, but rather upholding the highest ideals of both. Here in this episode, we see our Lord raising the bar once again rather than lowering it. The Pharisees were 
preoccupied to the point of being obsessive in observing ritual purity. They were not too concerned with either moral or hygienic purity. For this reason, our Lord is reminding them that what lies behind the prescripts of ritual purity is that of moral or ethical purity. Purity must not just be all appearances. What we express exteriorly must be reflected by what we are interiorly. In a way, our Lord is expressing that fundamental sacramental definition that we have learned from young, outward sign of inward grace. Our Lord is saying to his audience, be consistent in your application of accepted principles. If this is true of ritual purity, it should also be true with respect to moral purity. Never be satisfied with external conformity. Instead, make it a matter of the heart. So our Lord has not overthrown the tradition. He has merely pushed the envelope to its logical and consistent conclusion. Here as elsewhere, our Lord is merely insisting on living a life of covenantal consistency that is more integrated and holistic. Living sacramentally means that we show outwardly in our appearance and behavior that Christ is making us holy, set apart for God's purpose. So if we are serious about helping the poor, let us also be serious about worshipping God. And we wish to worship God perfectly, then we should also not neglect our duties to care for the needs of our neighbours, especially the poor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.